I was, uh, I was thinking this week, so probably most of you guys know we have, we have two kids. I have a son, Luke, who's 10 years old, recently turned 10 years old. He's a big decade now, which is impressive for him. And uh, I have a daughter, Natalie, who's seven. And I was thinking this week, I love my kids. I love my kids. And I was thinking this week about something my daughter said. This was, this was probably four or five years ago. So she's almost seven now. So she's probably two at the time. And we, it was like one of the really hot summers, like this summer, and it didn't rain like hardly at all. And so uh, I was talking to Marsha, and, and we were just talking about our grass. I'm like, man, I hope, I hope our grass doesn't die, you know? So that, and, and we have to like reseed it, you know? And uh, you just had, I, I don't want to do the work for it. And um, I didn't even know that my daughter was listening to us. Like, I think the TV was on or whatever. And um, just, just as I say that, she, she kind of stops and she comes into the room. And she's like, she's like, Daddy, when grass dies, does it go to be with Jesus in heaven? <laughs> and, and my first thought was, I didn't even know she was listening, right? And then my second thought was, I, I said, no, sweetie, you know, grass doesn't die or doesn't go to heaven when it dies. You know, heaven's, heaven's for people, sweetheart. But then I started thinking about it, and I thought, you know, I don't know. Is there grass in heaven? You know, like your mind starts going. I think, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there is. You know, when, when a blade of grass dies on earth, does it rise to new life in heaven? You know, I started thinking about it. Like, my daughter's brilliant. This is a profound question, right? Yeah. Anyway, so this week we're going to talk about heaven, and we're going to talk about eternity, and, uh, and we're going to talk about, does gra- is there grass in eternity? No, we're not going to talk about that. But we're going to dig into it, and uh, I, I, what I want to talk about tonight as we wrap up this series, so we've been in this series called The End, and I want to talk about what the ultimate end looks like for us and how we get to the end that we desire. And so last week we called it eternal bliss. We said like, what is, what is eternal bliss? You know, do we, do we stay in heaven and live in puffy clouds and play harps all day long? You know, like you see in cartoons, you know, what will we be doing for eternity? Will, will we be bored during that time? Like what's it actually gonna, how good is it actually gonna be? And what is what we called eternal suffering that we looked at last week? We just, we just kind of briefly looked at these. And, you know, is, is there really going to be fire all around us, you know? Are, are we going to be literally weeping that whole time and gnashing our teeth in pain? And is it really going to last forever? Is it, and is it really going to be as bad as what the Bible says it's going to be? So tonight, I really want to dig into this with us. And um, I've been praying a lot this week. Tonight really summarizes everything that we've been building up to throughout this series. And I hope, I, I may say a couple things that may challenge your thinking a little bit tonight. And my hope and my prayer is that um, maybe for some of us tonight, we understand what it means to, uh, to love Jesus and follow Jesus and seal the eternity that we want in a way that maybe we've never understood it before. And so what I wanna do before we dig into this is I wanna pray together, so let's do that. Father, um, I I lift up this time to you. God, you know my heart, you know what I've been praying, and God, I, I think I know your heart. I read about you and I talk to you and I see how much you love us. And so Father, I pray that tonight that you would have your way in each of our hearts God, that you would lead us, that you would do what only you could do. 
that you would help us to chase after you and follow you and live our lives for you. So God, whatever we came in here with tonight, I pray you just kind of calm it, that you'd help us to be able to focus. God, as we open up your word together, as we open up the Bible together, and we read these things firsthand that you have put in print for us, God, I pray that your spirit would do surgery on our heart tonight, mine included. So we give this time to you, God, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, we finished up our uh, eight easy steps, eight easy steps from the cross to eternity. And I put them on the back of your program. Flip, flip your little program over. I put them on there so that you'd have them. And so we talked about the specifics really over the last two weeks and what the end is going to be like. And we said, we have a belief about the end. The Bible talks about it in lots of different places. We have a belief about the end, but it's challenging to understand how all these different passages go together, right? It's hard to understand the order of things like the progression, the timeline of things. It's hard to understand what things to take literally and what things to take figuratively. And so we said, we have a position at Grace Church that falls a little bit more on the literal end of the, per, uh, of the spectrum, right? And so as we look at all these passages, we fall a little bit more on a literal interpretation of these things. But we said, listen, this, is, this area of end times is one of these things that we go, we have beliefs on the major things, Jesus is coming back and Jesus wins. We hold really tight, we hold really firm, right? But when we talk about specifics, we hold them with an open hand. And we said throughout the series, we said, we gotta be okay with this statement that this is what I believe, but I could be wrong on the details. The big things, I hold firm to. Jesus comes back, Jesus wins. When we talk about the details, this is what I believe, but I could be wrong on those details. And so we've gone over these eight steps. I would really strongly encourage you to learn these. We're not, I'm not gonna take the time tonight to recap each one of those things. If you missed it, you're maybe looking for a little bit more information on that, you can go online, you can uh, listen to the last couple sermons where we digged, in, dug, digged? We digged into it. We done digged into it, last couple weeks, right? Now, you can go online and listen to that, but I would really encourage you guys, um, learn these steps so that if somebody comes to you and they have questions or concerns, like you can help them. You can say, well, here's what the Bible says. Like This is actually what the Bible says about these things. I'd encourage you to do that. We ended our time last week saying that in the end, God is going to judge everyone who ever lived on this planet right? Everyone who ever lived on this planet. And so after this judgment, we have this final step. And we summarized it last week saying that eternity has only two possibilities for us. There's only, there's only two choices for us for eternity. And it all depends on what we do with Jesus Christ, which we're going to talk about here tonight. But our two choices are eternal bliss and eternal suffering. And we said, one choice, one option for us is better than we could ever fathom. Like it, it is better than we could ever even begin to imagine that our minds could grasp. And we said, it's an option that will give us complete joy and excitement and purpose and fulfillment and all, any other good feeling that you could ever think of. And it'll last forever. That's one option. That's eternal bliss. And we said, the other option is really different. It's worse than we could ever fathom. It's worse than our nightmares can even begin to grasp. It's an option that promises us terror and pain and suffering and struggle and hopelessness and any other negative feeling that we could think of. And the Bible's really clear when it says, it too will last forever and ever. 
And so as we look at eternity in more detail this week, I've intentionally used those two words, eternal bliss and eternal suffering, instead of heaven and hell. A lot of times when we think of eternity, we think of heaven and hell. Let me explain why we didn't use, when we talk about our eternity, let me explain why we didn't use those words, heaven and hell. A lot of times we think that our eternal destiny as Christ followers, the, the, the place of our eternal bliss is going to be heaven. It's going to be this non-physical place somewhere, you know, like no one really knows where, but it's this non-physical place somewhere, and we spend eternity with God inside the pearly gates, you know, on a cloud playing a harp all the time. Like that's, that's what we think. But listen, that's a misconception. Of course, heaven's not going to be, you know, sitting inside pearly gates, sitting on a cloud. I, I get that. That's a misconception. But even as we talk about heaven, it's not where we spend our eternity. That's a misconception too. What we call heaven is where we go until the very end. What we call heaven is where we go until the very end. It's where we go to be with Jesus in paradise until we come back with him. Now, occasionally, heaven's used a little bit more broadly. Like when we talk about the Bible and we talk about that word heaven in the Bible, you read it. Occasionally, it's used a little bit more broadly than that to mean eternity. But let's be clear. We don't spend eternity in heaven. The place that we're going to spend eternity is the new heaven and the new earth. The place we're going to spend eternity is the new heaven and the new earth. And it seems that the distinction, we'll read about it here in a second. It seems that the distinction between heaven and earth and eternity, the new heaven and the two earth, and the new earth, the distinct, the, say that again, the distinction seems to fade. Like they're, they're in some way one. And so it's a physical place as well, right? Like we're going to have glorified bodies. We talked about that. We're going to have physical glorified bodies. And so this new heaven and this new earth where we're going to spend eternity is this physical place. We don't live as disembodied spirits forever, okay? So I want to look at it. I want you to see exactly what the Bible says about this. So if you got a Bible, flip it open to Revelation 21. Revelation 21. Revelation is the very last book in the Bible. Chapter 21 is the second to last chapter in the Bible. So after God has raised uh, all of the unsaved dead and he's judged them, it's called the white throne judge, the great white throne judgment. We talked about that last week. If you missed it, check it out online. But the unsaved dead are judged and they're thrown into the lake of fire, the lake of burning sulfur. And then after that, so that's judgment. After that, John has this vision. So the book of Revelation is written by the apostle John, and he has this vision. This is what it says, Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. If you go into 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter actually expands on this, and he talks about how the first heaven and the first earth, what we experience now, passes away by fire. It says it will all be laid bare, okay? So it's destroyed in some way, okay? So there's no longer any seed. Then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. And what this means, I believe with a lot of others, that this is a metaphor for the church, the new Jerusalem, God's holy people. It's a metaphor for God's holy people, Okay, so he says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them 
and be their God. So in some way, our, our current fallen world will be wiped away by fire, right? Be wiped away by fire. And a new one or a renewed one will be made. And we're gonna live forever in our resurrected bodies, our glorified bodies on the new earth, the new heaven, and God will be present among us. So heaven is like our temporary place. It's our, it's our temporary holding place that God makes, uh, that God has us in until he makes this new heaven and this new earth. We have a little brief interlude there with the millennium, right? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. So, I'm sorry, that was actually last week. So in the millennium, we'll have glorified bodies and we'll live in this earth, but it'll be different. It'll be changed. We talked about that. But ultimately, if I died today, I would go be with the Lord in heaven. But the new heaven and the new earth, that's where I'm going to spend eternity, which apparently will be a better version of the current earth and the current heaven that we experience today. Does that make sense? So that's, that's heaven. That's when we talk about eternity, eternal bliss, the new heaven and the new earth. When we talk about you and me dying right now, if we're followers of Jesus, we go to heaven. That's a temporary holding place for us. On the other end of the spectrum, as I understand it, as I've read, Hades is a temporary place of torment that the unsaved dead go to until their final judgment until that great white throne judgment. And this all gets a little complex because when Hades is translated into our English Bibles, many times, most times it's translated as hell. But most people think of hell as the final place of torment. So John calls hell in Revelation, we read about this a couple times, he calls it the lake of fire or the lake of burning sulfur. It's just two other names for hell, okay? And so heaven is the place of paradise that the saved dead go to until they go to be with Jesus until the very end when he creates a new heaven and a new earth and we get to be with God, right, forever and ever. Hades is the place of torment that the unsaved dead go to until the very end when they'll finally be judged and sentenced to hell. Does that make sense? Throw up that chart there. I think, I think maybe this will help. So you have the temporary... If you're a follower of Jesus, if you love Jesus, you go to heaven. If you're not, you go to Hades. But our permanent place is the new heaven, the new earth, if you're saved. Or hell, or the lake of fire, lake of burning sulfur, if you're unsaved. Does that make sense? Okay, so here's what I want us to do. I want to I um, just tell you very plainly what these two options for us, these two choices will be like. And I think it helps for us to just look right at what the Bible says with all this, just to get it like from the horse's mouth, so to speak, right? So um, I want to look at those. Before I do, can I recommend two books to you? Like some of you maybe are interested in digging into this a little bit more. If you're looking for a really good book that's not terribly long, it's not written like super academically, but it's so good and so scriptural on heaven and eternity, the new heaven and new earth, it's, let's throw those up on the screen. Heaven Better by Far by J. Oswald Sanders. Really, really good. I pulled a lot of stuff from that for tonight. So good. And if you're looking for a book trying to understand hell and Hades and the distinction and what that's going to be like, I would encourage you to read the book Erasing Hell by uh, Preston Sprinkle and Francis Chan. Really, really good stuff. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I, I want to read some passages from the Bible, just pull them right from the Bible, we'll throw them up on the screen so you guys can all see them. So we're gonna be jumping around a little bit. I wanna read them together. And then when I'm done reading them, I want you to tell me, is this describing eternal bliss 
or eternal suffering? Okay, so I'll ask you at the end of each one, and you gotta decide what it's describing. I think it'll be clear, okay? But I want you to see this. And then when we're done, I wanna summarize it all because I think it helps to see this is what eternity that God gives to those that love him entails. This is what eternity that God gives to those that don't love him entails, okay? So go to the first one here. This is from Matthew 25, 41. And I just highlighted some words in red here that maybe will stick out to you. This is what it says. Then he will say to those on his left, this is the judge, he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. What do you think that's describing? Eternal bliss or eternal suffering? Eternal suffering, yeah, good. Okay, go to the next one. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. What do you think it's describing? Bliss, right? Yeah, good. Okay, go to the next one. Then they'll go away, this is real short, then they'll go away to eternal punishment. Try to wrap your brain around that. What's that describing? Eternal suffering, right? Eternal punishment. Go to the next one. But the righteous will go to eternal life. What's that describing? Eternal bliss, right? Good, go to the next one. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What's that describe? Eternal suffering, right? Okay, go to the next one. Jesus answered them. He said, truly I tell you, from Jesus' own mouth, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me, where? Paradise. It's eternal bliss, right? paradise. Just think about that. Go to the next one. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We already talked about the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Think about darkness, utter darkness. Well, that's eternal suffering, right? Go to the next one. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and they'll take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. What's that describing? Eternal bliss, right? Good. Feasting with God. God is just. He'll pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This, is, this will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He'll punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Just wrap your mind around that, being shut out completely from the presence of the Lord. Well, of course, that's eternal suffering, right? Go, go to the next one. A couple more. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They'll be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things. Think of the old earth, right? The old order of things has passed away. That's 
eternal bliss, right? Yeah. Last one. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And right after all of the, uh, with all of the unsaved dead, it says, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire and be tormented day and night forever and ever. That, of course, is eternal suffering. I think, what, two more? Is that right? Yeah, two more. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those that love him. Think about that. Like, we can't even conceive it. Eternal bliss, right? Next one. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I'll give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. That, of course, is eternal bliss, right? So I, I want to put them all up on a screen. Go to the, go to the next slide. This is, this is a summary of what we just read. I just kind of put it in my own words. Here's eternal bliss. It's a kingdom prepared especially for us. It says Jesus is preparing it especially for you and me right now. It's eternal life. It's paradise. You think Florida's nice. Just wait till you see this. Feasting. I love to eat. That sounds wonderful to me. Us dwelling with God. Think about that. Being in the very presence of our God. No more death. I hate death. Mourning, crying, or pain. Think of all the pain that we experience in this life. No more. Inconceivably good. No mind has grasped it. It's completion. He says, it is finished. It's completed. Wholeness, completeness, right? And then on top of that, to be part of God's family. Go to the next one. This is eternal suffering. Eternal fire. Eternal punishment. Without ceasing, over and over and over. Shut out from the Lord. Not there, right? Weeping. Pain. That's what gnashing of teeth means. Pain. Darkness. Everlasting destruction. Nonstop torment. Guys, okay, from a, a completely objective point of view, we look at those two lists and it's pretty clear which one we choose, right? Like as I, as I think about myself, as I think about my comfort, as I think about my enjoyment, I know very quickly, very easily, which option I would choose. In fact, I would do anything not to receive the option that I don't choose. But here's the thing. This is so important. Here's the thing. When we start thinking that way, we can very easily get misguided. And here's what I mean. We cannot choose option one, eternal bliss, because that sounds best to us. And I think I'm going to enjoy that one the most. We're not choosing a vacation spot, right? We're not weighing pros and cons and saying, I think this is the best option for me. If that's how I think, please hear this. This is a strong statement. I believe it with all my heart. If that's how we think, if that's how we choose to become a Christian, 
This just seems like the best option for me. It seems like the one that I'm going to enjoy. If that's how we choose to become a Christian, I can guarantee you one thing. You are not a Christian. You are not a Christian. What are you saying, Jeff? Like, that sounds really harsh. Listen, this is so important. I guess we'd all want option number one, right? Eternal bliss. But the way that we receive option number one isn't to want to experience it a lot more than we want to experience eternal suffering. And so I'll just decide to follow Jesus. I'll just, I'll do the things that he says to do. Like, did you know that? Do you know that what Jesus said about people that do that? Like, I don't want to go to hell, so I guess I'll follow Jesus. I guess I'll do what he tells me to do. Do you know what Jesus calls those people that do that in the Bible? Evildoers. Sounds bizarre, doesn't it? I, w- I want to throw a passage up on the screen. I want, you to, I want you to just let this speak to your heart right now because this is so important that we get this. This is Jesus himself. This is what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day that that day is the end, right? Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. See, guys, we don't get to enter into the eternity of our choice by wanting it more than the alternative and then doing what we can, living a good life, trying to do the right thing just to get it. Like, that's, that's not how we receive the eternity that we want. Did you catch what Jesus said here? He, why were these people called evildoers? Because they were doing some good things, prophesying in his name, right? Driving out demons, performing many miracles, Many of you are doing great things too. Why, why did Jesus call them evildoers? Because they didn't know him. They, they, they didn't know him. They didn't have any sort of relationship with him. They didn't know Jesus. They knew, I think they knew a lot of things about Jesus, but they didn't know him. And they certainly didn't love him and follow him and know him. Like I imagine... Imagine Jesus saying, I knocked on your door. I wanted you to invite me in. I want you to get to know me. But you never did. You never got to know me. And if we don't get to know him, we don't get a chance to be part of his future kingdom. Instead, we become his enemies. Maybe you want to write this down. We choose our eternity by knowing and loving Jesus. We choose our eternity by knowing and loving Jesus. And if you hear that, and it sounds like, man, you're repeating yourself, Jeff. <laughs> like you've kind of said the same thing all throughout this series. You're right. You're right. Like how many times have we said it all comes down to us knowing and loving Jesus? Know him and love him now as your savior, savior so that when he comes back as a triumphant king to crush evil, you're on his side. You're not against him. And we've said throughout the series too, there's no like riding the fence. We're either with him, we know him, we're with him, he's the most important thing about us, or he's not. And guys, if that describes you, like, 
I'm on the fence. I, I don't know. I, can I just beg you, like tonight, don't walk away just being okay with that. Don't walk away being okay with being on the fence. The eternity that we desire can only be received by us one way, knowing and loving Jesus. And here's the thing. He's not hard to love, right? Jesus is easy to love. Like he's not a temperamental God. He's not unjust. He's not mean to us. I, I made a list. Let me, let me read you. Let me, let me just read you some of these things. These are things that I love about him. He's perfect in wisdom. Like in him is complete knowledge. In him is complete truth. He's the God of love. He's patient with us, right? Incredibly gracious to us in our sinfulness. This is who he is. This is the God that says, do you want to get to know me? Do you, do you want to love me? He remains faithful even when we're unfaithful. Think about that. He promises to never leave us he promises to never forsake us. He gives us hope and comfort when we need it, when we're struggling, when we're hurting, when we've made a bad decision. He gives us hope. He gives us comfort. He's our protector. He's our sustainer. He hates evil. He mourns when we suffer. When you hurt, when you're experiencing pain, it hurts him, right? He longs to gather you in his arms a perfect father. I love grabbing my kids. I hug them so much. They probably get, I know they get sick of it. Luke's like, okay. He longs to gather us in his arms like the best father that we can imagine. And even now he's preparing a place for us. That's going to be better than we can even dream of. And he said, I'm going to come back. I'm going to take you to be with me in paradise forever. Can I, can I ask you, how hard is it to love a God like that? He, he even instructs us how to live our life in such a way that we live it to the fullest. And when we mess up, he offers us help. He offers us forgiveness. He offers us grace. He offers us mercy. And he gives us his spirit to live inside of us, to change us in the process. Like, how hard is it to love that God? Why wouldn't we want to go to him and get to know him and have a relationship with him? Why is it so tough for us to say, that's it, no more games. Like, I'm done. I'm done living for myself. I believe that Jesus is God. I believe what it says in the Bible that he loves me. I'm not going to play games anymore. I'm going to live my life for him. Like, why is that so hard for us to do? Why is that such a challenge? You know what I look most forward to when I think of eternal bliss? Like, you know what, what makes our eternity uh, with, uh, like, incredible as followers of Christ? That we'll be with him. <laughs> that, that we'll be with Jesus. That we'll get a chance to see him face to face. Is it going to be fun? I don't know. What's fun? Like, I don't think I even have an idea of what fun is. I mean, think about who he is. Like, I'm going to get a chance to be with the God of all goodness and creativity and joy and excitement forever and ever. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I know it's going to be better than I could ever imagine. Th think about this. Like, just take a second to think about this. Think about the best things that you love in life, the very best things that you love and enjoy more than anything else. Ultimately, God is the creative inventor of all of those things, right? 
because all those things are made by us, by people. He made us. And this creative inventor of all of the best things that you could ever imagine is preparing a place for you and me right now. Like he, he's doing it right now. Like we think we have it good now with some of the stuff in this world. Imagine what it's going to be like. We get to be with the author of everything good. Like just let your mind go there. Let your mind dream about what that's going to be like. What makes our eternity good is that we get a chance to be with God forever and ever and ever. And guys, longing for that with our eternity, to be with God forever, is a good indication that we get it and that we know and that we love Jesus. When we look at our eternity, we go, the thing that I'm most excited about is I get to be with the God of the universe forever and ever. That's an indication that we get it. That's an indication that we love Jesus. You know what scares me the most about hell? It's not the suffering. I don't like suffering. None of us do. We get a little bit of a taste of that right here and right now. No one likes suffering, but it's not the suffering that scares me most about hell. You know what it is? It's, it's the absence of God in my suffering. I have no hope of him consoling me. I have no hope of things getting better. I think that's the scariest thing about hell. Like life can be hard here and now. Like we can go through life and we can go, I don't feel you, God. I feel like I'm alone. Just imagine being completely alone and having no hope of ever seeing or experiencing God again. And it lasts forever and ever and ever. Guys, as the band's going to come up here in a second, so you'll see some stuff around me here. But I want to challenge you. Where are you at tonight? Like throughout this series, we've been talking about we need, to, we need to understand this stuff so that as God brings people in our path that are confused, we can explain it to them, right? We want to be able to share our faith, our hope for eternity with people. It's super important. We've talked about that over and over again. But how about you? Like in your own life, do you love Jesus that way? Or do we look at eternity and we go, I don't like the bad alternative. And so I'm going to be a Christian without really ever knowing Jesus. Like he knocks at the door and he waits for us to let him in. He wants to be the most important thing about us. And I know it's a struggle sometimes. I, I know it's a struggle sometimes to hear him and experience him. But guys, I believe with all of my heart, when we open up our lives to him, we open up that door and we chase after him and we make him the most important thing about us, we get a chance to experience him in a way that's undeniable and it changes everything in our lives. So I, I want to challenge you tonight. If you've not experienced that, it's not about going to church. It's not about trying to do the right thing. It's about having a relationship with the living God of the universe. If you haven't experienced that, don't, don't go on without it. And maybe tonight you're like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Talk to him. Talk to him and listen. Go on a long walk and open up your Bible and just 
read about Jesus. Start in the Gospel of John or the Gospel of Mark. See who he is. I think it's impossible if we honestly want to get to know God and we open up his word and we read about who Jesus is. I think it's impossible to not fall in love with him. Have you fallen in love with him? If you will, if you do, your eternity is sealed in the best way possible. And if we don't, we will be his enemies. And one day when Jesus comes back as a triumphant king, it will not be a day of joy for us. Please pursue him tonight. We're going to play a couple more songs here tonight. And I just, I just beg you, just talk to him. Like the words hopefully will help as we sing these. The words will help you focus your heart on him in eternity. But just talk to him. Invite him in. Make him the number one thing in your life tonight.